Brazil, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Rather than compete with all of the people that are in Silicon Valley, he decided, why don't we just recruit from there? I bet there's great engineers. I think that we should always hire the best employees regardless of gender. Let's hire people from anywhere in the world, the best talent, let's find them. There's so many employee stories to tell that culminate in the overall Carta story that um, I think deserve to be told. It's tempting to mythologize startup founders as young visionaries hell-bent on disrupting an old world order, but that would be a lie. An MIT study revealed the average age of a startup founder is 42. Henry was in his late 30s when he co-founded Carta, and he spent most of his life struggling to find himself. I, I felt like the person that would never that had raw talent but didn't know how to realize it because my own angst would get in the way. Henry enlisted in the Marines, lived abroad, and worked the kind of jobs you'd see in a screwball comedy from the 1980s. He processed subpoenas, worked construction, the list goes on and on. But all the while, he wrestled with self-doubt when it came to his career. He eventually settled into software sales. Went to Austin, Texas uh, to work for a, a tech company down there doing... Um, pre-sales. So I had one foot in sales, which is really interesting because I got to learn how enterprise software sales worked. Um, and also one foot in engineering because I was constantly building new new demos, new features to try to sell uh, to companies. And I traveled around the country and uh, even Europe uh, selling enterprise software as a, a technical uh, expert. That's where Henry met Son, his future wife. Instead of settling down, they ran off to France for a year. She co-owned and occasionally worked at a restaurant very close to my house that I would stop in at night on my way home, and I met her there. I wanted to ride my bicycle. She said, hey, if we're going to spend a year in France, let's do something productive. So we both went to grad school. She got an MBA. I went to grad school for, for finance. And then she got her dream job here in the Valley. So that's how Henry ended up in Silicon Valley. It wasn't his dream. It wasn't even a plan. But Henry and Son moved to Menlo Park and had a son named Austin the year before Carter launched. By mid-2015, the company was ready to scale headcount into the hundreds. My superpower was I could get the best out of people. And the people we did hire became their best selves. Henry used to teach a course to new hires called eShares 101. They received eShares branded pens and eShares branded notebooks, and they'd spend a day watching lectures on YouTube and discussing Paul Graham. He also had everyone read a book called Built to Last because it explained how to build a company for the long term. He wanted Carta, then eShares, to be around in 80 years. He even started speaking in absolutes. eShares does this. eShares does not do that. It was surreal to see the company scale. We hire a lot of experts, and they're all over the, the U.S. and even the world. And so we have to go to where those people are. And so every time we need to um, tap into a specific set of talent, uh, we have to build an office around that talent pool. It may have been premature to open a second office in San Francisco for a startup with less than 20 people when we had a perfectly good one 36 miles away in Mountain View, but it worked for us. Mandatory commute days created a dynamic energy. The idea of leasing one large office park in some random suburb never made sense because of this. A network of satellite offices had other benefits as well. When you're in your 20s and single, it's fun to live in San Francisco. When you get married and have your first child, you kind of want some space and a yard, and it's harder to do that in Silicon Valley. To preserve the culture, Henry refused to build back offices in the traditional Silicon Valley way. Carter doesn't have a call center in Scottsdale or an offshore development team in Bangalore. 
but it's still difficult to recruit technical talent. That's why when Henry found an untapped engineering community in Rio de Janeiro, it became the site of Carta's first international office. Brazil has a very deep talent pool of uh, Python, Django developers and engineers. So the reason we en ended up in Rio was I knew I didn't want to go to India, China. I wanted to keep time zone uh, close. So I looked in Central South America and I scoured every country, Mexico, Paraguay, Argentina, Colombia, via LinkedIn, AngelList's, Monster, all, all the websites to find where they had uh, Python, Django, open source uh, uh, engineering talent. For anyone who's unfamiliar, Python is a programming language engineers use to build web applications. It's open source, which means it's free to use. It's one of the most essential building blocks of the modern web. Much like low-cost virtual servers, open source software played a large role in the resurgence of Silicon Valley after the dot-com bubble burst. And if you looked at the profiles of engineers in Brazil versus Mexico or anywhere else in Central South America, it was 20, 30x what you could find anywhere else. And it was, it was strange. I didn't understand why that was true. And I dug into it a little bit more. And it turns out in the 2000s, the Brazilian government wanted to end their reliance on proprietary software. So they taxed Microsoft out of existence. So .NET, all of those things, C Sharp, all went away. And they moved the entire um, country onto open source software, including the government and all the universities taught Ruby and Python. And that's why they have such a deep bench of Python Django engineers. Keeping an eye on a second office less than 40 miles away in San Francisco is one thing, but setting up an office in a different culture with a different language 6,600 miles away is another. They continue to do extremely well, and they are so optimistic about it. Like, I've been mismanaging them for almost a year now, and they are still optimistic that one day I'll figure it out. And I am too. I will figure this out. But uh, it, it's the most resilient office by far. Since entrepreneurs start companies to solve problems, culture is often a byproduct. But it can become a founder's most treasured accomplishment because it's not as straightforward as building out a tech stack. It's not as binary as code. It takes a human touch. The thing that I care most about is that whoever ends up here, whoever decides to come here, that they feel they're welcome. All the paths that people have taken to get here are so different. What I hope we do is have a company where we celebrate those different paths. Welcome to Execute. My name's Theo. This podcast is about the history of Carta and a blueprint for anyone who wants to build a startup in six parts. Part three, culture happens. In the email, he said, oh, it's a little bit hard to find engineers here. So I said, wow. How can that possibly be hard to find engineers in Silicon Valley? <laughs> that would be crazy, right? But like, well, okay, let's talk and see how, how it goes. Jair Versosa was running a web consultancy in Brazil when he received Henry's email in 2015. Jair thought Henry wanted to outsource some web development, but that wasn't the case. Never in the agenda. Actually, his initial thought was, let's open an office in Brazil, hire the best quality candidates we can, and bring them to US. That was the first idea. Usually when you work with a development team in another country, you just send specs that break down the technical requirements for a feature. 
This wasn't that. We just shipped the, the decision uh, from a temporary to permanent office. And we actually, you know, we, we found another office which is bigger and we made a renovation in that office and we are hoping to grow even more there. The new office in Brazil has floor-to-ceiling windows with sweeping views of the ocean. It really puts heaven to shame. Not only does Carter's Brazil presence offer employees a chance to live in South America, Brazilian employees have an opportunity to live in the States if they want but it can be difficult to get a coveted H-1B visa. Yeah, so the so the, the way that H-1B works is you have only one chance to apply for H-1B uh, per year. Between April and uh, July, I think, you have the lottery system because you just have a lot of candidates. Brazil provided us with an influx of engineers and designers, but as we established our presence in South America, hiring accelerated in the States. We had to be practical when recruiting and focus on company culture later on. We're looking for people who want to be helpful, who want to learn a lot. And whenever somebody comes in with that kind of mentality and background, when you hand them a problem, they're going to want to solve it. Rye Sullivan was one of Carta's earliest product managers, hiring cross-functional designers who could code and manage their own product development cycle was one of the biggest challenges he faced. So a couple of years ago when I started, the conversations around uh, hiring focused a lot on could people be more cross-functional? Uh, and the reasons for that and the needs for that were we're a growing company where people were expected to come in and either have to wear multiple hats because that was that was what the business at the time demanded, or they would have to be flexible enough that they could pivot, whether it was to a new product or a new team, very, very quickly. Rai joined when Carter was optimized to find candidates with large, diversified skill sets. Generalists are valuable at every stage of a company's development, but they're necessary early on. Oftentimes, we didn't even have a specific job in mind for a new hire. Today, it's a little bit different. We're bigger. We have more defined roles. We have more defined teams. We have more defined KPIs. There's just more definition around what we want to do. We used to emphasize day one when recruiting. We couldn't hire anyone unless we could agree that there was an impact the person could have without any additional resources or training. And KPIs are key performance indicators. They're used to track the growth of a team or a business as it pursues a defined goal. Day one, what are they going to come in? How are they going to help us? And a lot of that came from from the uh, idea and the fact, honestly, that when we hired someone, we actually needed them to come in and help us with something on day one. So if it was, uh, you know, a product designer, it was we need someone who can come in and actually help us code right off the bat. We probably don't have the luxury right now of of training someone to get those skills. Same thing for if it was bringing in product management or if it was bringing in engineering. Uh, we need people to help contribute immediately. No matter if they were a business person coming in to onboard customers or an engineer fresh out of college, everyone had to make a contribution on day one. We needed the help, but it filtered out mismatches as well. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we, we try and certainly hire for is not only uh, intelligent and hardworking people, but also ones who uh, who culturally kind of mesh with, with our Ideals. There was more than one executive who was sent away when they proved to be too hands-off to succeed at Carta. The workload was intense early on, but the perks were worth it. Yeah, the first time I came to Brazil, I was here for one month. Kyle, the engineer we met in the first episode, was excited to visit Brazil. After his initial trip, he immediately planned a second and eventually moved there. I met my future fiancé, and at the end of two months... I knew I wanted to stay longer. Kyle loved Brazil, and it was valuable to have an original team member in a new office so far away. 
and his work ethic fit better in Rio than it did in Silicon Valley. Uh, my style of solving problems uh, didn't fit well with uh, the office culture. Like American workers feel this pressure to stay at their desk. And so if they're at their desk, that means that they're performing. And that's a philosophy that I don't agree with. Having worked closely with Brazilians for years, it's clear that on average, work plays a different role in their lives. It's not as all-consuming as it is in the States. Worker protections ensure it. It's the law that you need one hour lunchtime. Uh, that's not the law. Like, there's no law in the United States that you have to have one hour break. Like, either you can have, uh, like, low salaries and lots of protections, or you can kind of, like, have high salaries and no protection. And so it's just kind of two different systems, and whether one's better than the other it depends on you. California state law provides 30 minutes for anyone who works over five hours, but Kyle's point still stands. Brazil places an emphasis on quality of life, so it's easy to imagine how much Rio has enhanced Carta's culture. We always say uh, Brazilians never give up, but we like to party. Went to California, really liked it. I fell in love with everyone I worked with. Cultures are so different, and somehow they can still communicate the same feelings and the same things. When I joined Carta, I, I had this sense of uh, family. People here are very friendly, so we could match actually the culture really fast. Even as we sourced candidates from Brazil, we had to ramp up hiring in the States. The average age of a Carta employee was around 30 for the first year or so but not for long. It's actually funny you bring that up. I guess it's one of those things like you never really talk about age with people, right? Like, especially at work too. Like, you're not just going up to people like, hey, how old are you? <laughs> it's not just an awkward thing to ask. In an interview, it's illegal. Eli Wilson was 18 years old when he started at Carta. He found Henry on AngelList. After he saw that they were both from Michigan, he used the coincidence as an icebreaker and soon flew out to California for an on-site interview. When you're in high school and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, always dressed to impress and stuff like that. So I came full, full suit, bow tie, and then I think I walked in, and I can't remember who met me at the door, and they're like, oh, are you a lawyer or something? And I was like, uh, no, I'm, I'm here for the interview. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Eli with the bow tie made an impression. In addition to his engineering skill set, he had strong design instincts. For an intern, he was an easy hire. After taking on the thankless job of engineering reports all summer, Eli received an offer for a full-time job. So we've we've really been impressed with what you've worked on, and we'd like you to, to stay on full-time. I mean, at that point, I was like speechless. Like, I, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to, to say. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, well... I should probably at least like sleep on it before <laughs> being like, oh yeah, this is, let's do this. It's good that Eli took the time to make his own decision because there's a very well-educated strand of Silicon Valley that believes college is a waste of time. Eli's traditional parents had a different point of view though. After all, he wasn't even old enough to drink. Yeah, it's definitely more of we'll support you, but we don't want you to do it. Um, we want you to finish school. That's like the, I mean, Michigan's very like conservative too. So it's like, you know, Everyone goes to school, does their four years, gets like job at a desk. Eli persuaded his parents and accepted the job. Within a couple of years, he had more institutional knowledge about the code base than almost anyone. As a junior engineer, he was fortunate because Carter also hired former founders to provide leadership. It wasn't enough for new hires to contribute on day one. 
we needed them to grow. One of the things that we do is we hire for trajectory, which means that uh, the person that we're hiring, they are attempting, we know that they're going to go somewhere and we want them to drag us with them. Uh, and so we've hired those type of people and now we need people that can actually help them to achieve that path of trajectory. Brett Hardin is a former founder and product manager. Now he works as a senior engineer. He came to Carta when he read a blog post by Henry called Founders Wanted. It promoted an organizational structure called the trifecta model, in which a business person, a product person, and an engineer could launch and operate a business inside of Carta. You need somebody who can point at something and say, that's the thing we need to go do, let's go do that. I think it's maybe a sense of empowerment, right? And so, um, you know, great, great managers tend to empower others. Uh, and the reason that that happens is because once they do feel empowered, they'll start working without you, which is what you want them to do. Brett became a natural mentor for young developers like Eli, who had never worked at a startup before. If the only information you've ever read is Dr. Seuss, then everything that you regurgitate is going to be Dr. Seuss and everything you write is going to be a Dr. Seuss. And then one day you're going to read something like Hemingway and then you're going to start writing differently. You're going to say, oh, this is much clearer what's going on. I don't need to rhyme my words. And so then you start writing uh, like Ernest Hemingway. At this stage of Carter's development, we were still hiring well-rounded generalists like Brett and Eli. Some had experience, some didn't. We rejected the traditional product manager model. There was no role dedicated to solely developing and implementing a product vision from executive leadership. Until 2017, Cardis designers and engineers were expected to perform those functions themselves. You know, in a traditional organization, you have a product manager who's kind of uh, three months ahead. So they're doing a lot of the planning that's necessary for the engineering team to take over. Um, when we were smaller, uh, there was not a lot of that planning because it was the idea of, well, we don't know really what's going to uh, work and what's not. We have some insights. So let's just build some stuff quickly, see kind of what sticks. And then, uh, you know, if it does, then we can you know, go down that, that ramp. We looked at the traditional product manager model as old fashioned. While writing specs would have created accountability, they were too bureaucratic for our company culture. To ensure we maintained a quality product, Henry ran code review sessions that were like workshops. The atmosphere was one of learning and collaboration. The core function of the daily sessions was to provide sign off before features shipped, but it was called American Idol to make it feel more playful. Just as 8.30 a.m. meetings evolved into company-wide show-and-tells and team huddles, American Idol provided structure. This high-touch environment held everything together as larger cultural narratives began to form. We were like, oh yeah, now we have this awareness, maybe we should like talk about it. Allie Lizer joined Carta as an office manager. Within months, she became a customer service rep and soon managed her own team. Eventually, she transitioned into product. I think it was kind of a combination of like, I came in at a really good time where like there was huge opportunities, but I also worked really hard to get like where I was. Like I spent, I was basically working from like 7 a.m. until like 7 or 8 p.m. every night, like learning. I was trying to learn how to code and do um, a little bit of like HTML and CSS so I could have like more knowledge about like products and that kind of stuff so I could speak with a knowledgeable voice. Ali embodies the best of Carta. She works as hard as anyone and she's naturally helpful. She loves the company culture, but admits it can be intense. We have like loud discussions and stuff and I think that's totally okay. But if that's something that you don't feel comfortable with, then like 
you wouldn't want to work here. But I also don't think that only women feel uncomfortable with that kind of confrontation. Carta is a welcoming place for everyone to work. As the company grows, it's taking on tech's gender diversity issue every possible way it can. The problem is more urgent than most people realize because software is rapidly becoming a layer of our everyday experience, which means the unconscious bias of its design could be even more insidious than a lack of diversity on TV. At least as Carta scales, it has more resources to address the problem. We're hitting that point now, right? Like, that's why we've, like, it's not like we had women's discussions when I joined, because honestly, it wasn't something that we thought about. Discussion groups were only the beginning. In September 2018, Carta released a study in partnership with the Hashtag Angels Investment Collective about the discrepancy in equity compensation between men and women. Citing anonymized data from over 6,000 companies, it's clear that women earn 47 cents for every dollar a man earns in equity. In addition to making an investment to correct this at Carta, Henry announced that he would add an independent female board director to his all-male board by the end of the year. So that's gender. But that's not the only diversity issue in tech. I think going out of our network, first of all, to colleges that are more diverse, to uh, areas where there are more diverse candidates, that's important. Let's let's hire people from anywhere in the world, the best talent, let's find them. We met Zibi in the previous episode. He's one of Carta's earliest business hires, and he's biracial. He was born in England and lived in Nigeria before moving to the States. He highlights the importance of recruiting when building a diverse workforce. It's not enough to just be inclusive. You have to be inclusive. Uh, I don't think they're mutually exclusive items. I think by default, if you're a diversity company, you're an inclusive company. It's easy to fall back on a pool of referrals and cycle through candidates who think, act, and look the exact same way. If we just look in our little slice of Silicon Valley, um, you're never going to improve uh, the numbers. You're not going to change that. Zibi acknowledges the efforts Carta has made to change things, and he's optimistic about the future. Engineers, product folks go out and speak at uh, various events um, who've really embraced this culture and, and kind of promoted it and really uh, help kind of attract a more diverse uh, workforce here. Carta employees come from all over the world. So even as the workforce expanded, we could at least celebrate our differences. Jair, the first Brazilian employee who we met earlier, couldn't wait to move to the States. If you think about everyone that wants to migrate to the United States, everyone wants to stay there and not come back, right? He wasn't selected for the H-1B lottery, so he was frustrated. He could only hope the lesser-known L-1A visa would come through. I actually got that. I, I got that moment. Because, you know, like after a year, I was so like anxious and, and frustrated at the same time. Like, oh, man, like this, it doesn't happen. Uh, it never happens. And I'm still waiting and waiting after a year without a home. And I, I was actually traveling. Uh, I was in vacation. Uh, and then I was having dinner with my wife. And suddenly I got a message. After taking a chance on Carta, Jair was on a trip with his wife in Paris when he received the news. Hey man, congrats! Your your visa got approved. I said, "Oh my God, I can I can't believe it!" You know, I paused for a moment to actually digest that, and then I told my wife, and then she she got really happy. That was a really interesting moment for us. Next time on Execute, Carter scales headcount and gets creative as it grapples with the challenges of a growing workforce. We have an obligation to grow and train and develop our people. 